Open your Bibles, if you would please, to Galatians and stand up, if you would please, as well this morning, as we are celebrating and worshiping our Savior and our Heavenly Father in God's house this morning. Stand up and please open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. We'll be reading verses 13 through 15. Again, Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. Again, continuing in the series, Not a Fan. And the message focus this morning again is on showing Christ. So follow along again as I read Galatians 5, verses 13 through 15. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Bow your heads in prayer for me, please, this morning. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you. We celebrate you here in your house, worshiping you this morning. And you, Jesus, our risen Son, our Savior, whom we trust. You died and you were buried and you rose again. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that we know you. We can know you. Thank you that we're not just a fan on the outside looking in. We can be close and upfront personal with you. Help us to learn and understand about also showing you about this relationship that we have inside of us to others. Father, help us to understand what showing is about. Help us to grasp your message that you have personally for us, Father, this morning. Be with Pastor Bruce, and again, may it not just be a message that's man-led, but a message that's spirit-led by you, Father. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this message this morning. In your name, amen. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God that allows us to be free, free to serve one another, free to show Christ to one another? That's the grace of God at work in our lives. As we continue in this series that we've been in for a few weeks now, a series we've been calling Not a Fan, let me begin with a a true story. On May 15, 2006, British mountaineer David Sharp died near the summit of Mount Everest in a rocky cave. It was Sharp's third attempt to summit the world's highest mountain, and media reports speculated on whether he reached the top. But the irony of this tragic story is that while the blood in his arms and legs was turning to ice, a possible 42 people passed sharp that morning on their way to the summit. People who could have saved him. Some looked the other way. Well, a few paused long enough to hear him say, My name is David Sharp. I'm with Asia Trucking. Upon hearing of Sharp's death, one climber cold-heartedly remarked, We know the risk. People die on Everest every year. When the media later picked up on the comments by Sir Edmund Hillary, who was the first climber ever to summit Everest, he strongly criticized those who hadn't helped Sharp, reportedly calling their actions despicable. Before he left on his trip, Sharp had assured his mother, You are never on your own. There are climbers everywhere. That tragedy on Mount Everest, boy, it sounds a lot like a modern-day version of the Good Samaritan story in the gospel, doesn't it? 
But if truth be told, it also sounds a lot like fans of Jesus who are so busy pursuing their own happiness on their way to the summit in life that they bypass people along the way, bypass people in need, bypass people who are hurting without so much as a twinge of concern. You know, when you study the life of Christ, you find that he always had time for people, loving them, engaging them, serving them, and we have been called to do the same as followers of Jesus Christ. As you know by now in this series, we are basically learning what it means to live as a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And so far we've learned that our mission in life, our mission as a church, is to make followers of Jesus Christ. This is why we exist as a church. In fact, it's why you exist here on this earth. We've also learned that followers of Jesus, though, to make followers, we must first know Christ personally. We must know Him personally as our Savior and Lord in a relationship where we know Him and He knows us. And then last Sunday we learned that once you know Christ, we just don't stay at that level. If we're in a relationship with Him, we are called to grow in Christ. We grow in that relationship, and we do it through God's Word and God's Spirit in community with God's people. And so immediately we're beginning to see that we can define what a follower is, which is different than a fan, because followers of Jesus are actively involved in four things. They're doing four things. If I'm a follower, then I know Christ. I'm growing in Christ. I'm showing Christ, and I'm going with Christ. So four simple words in which we, if you will, can define, we can measure, we can describe what followers of Christ are, who they are, what they do. And what are those four words? Let's say them together. They, one, what's the first one? They know Christ. Number two, they grow in Christ. Number three, they show Christ. And number four, they go with Christ. So know, grow, show, and go. That is what making followers is all about, as well as it's what being a follower of Christ is all about. Now, this morning, we're going to learn about showing Christ. We're going to be our focus here today, and what we're going to see is fully devoted followers of Jesus show Christ by loving and serving people in the church and in the community. You know, we're never more like Christ than when we are showing Christ by loving and serving people. Jesus makes this comment to his disciples in John chapter 13, verse 35, where he says, By this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. In other words, Jesus is telling his disciples, By this, everyone will know that you're not fans of me, you're followers of me. And then he defines what the this is. If you love one another. You say, well, how do we show love to one another? What is love in action? Well, simply put, love in action, the greatest way in which to show love to somebody is by serving them, serving one another in love. Paul tells us in our text that Randy read for us, look at it in your notes again with me, in Galatians 5, 13 and 14, he says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. We are free in Christ. And to that we say what? Glory. Glory. Hallelujah, man. That's more exciting than, well, K-State beating KU last night, right? 
yeah, Bill and some of the K-State fans are like, well, I don't know about that. That was pretty glorious what happened yesterday against KU. They Get real. You guys just beat KU. Do they even have a team? Yeah, but look what else he says. We are called to be free, and then he says, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, use your freedom now in Christ, your relationship with him, to serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And you say, well, who's my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Well, it's people in the church. It's people in the community in which where you live and who you work with. Paul says in Galatians 6.10, he says, Therefore, as we have, have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, here's a thought I want you to think about. We know Christ in order to show Christ. But this means moving beyond just being a consumer in life, a consumer even in the church, to being a contributor in life and a contributor in the church. Believe it or not, you are not put here on earth. You're not even left here on earth just to take up space, just to pursue your own dreams and to chase your own happiness. You are here to show Christ. And the way we show Christ is by serving people in love. The Bible has a word for this. It's a simple word. It's the word ministry. In fact, the Bible even tells us that every believer in Christ, everyone who knows Christ as their Lord and Savior, is a minister. You say, but I don't know how to minister. I don't know anything about ministry. I don't know how to show Christ. Well, the good news is God not only saved you so you could serve, but he gave us a model to follow. In fact, Jesus came to earth and basically said this to his fathers. Watch me. Watch me. This is how you serve others in ministry, which brings us to our very first lesson that I want us to look at this morning. Lesson number one in showing Christ is follow the example of Jesus. Follow the example of Jesus. Remember, we're called followers of Jesus. And what did Jesus do while he was here on this earth? Jesus served. Mark 10.45 says this. In fact, Jesus said it of himself. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Two words define the life of Christ in this verse. Did you catch those two words? It's serve and it's give. Jesus says, I came to serve and I came to give. And when you study the life of Christ, you see him doing these two things predominantly throughout his ministry. You see him touching lepers, eating with tax collectors, befending prostitutes, caring for children, serving the multitudes, and ultimately you see him giving his life as a sacrifice for us. Serving is what defines Christ's followers. It, defines what it means to show Christ as fully devoted followers of Christ, and yet serving. Oh, how it is one of the most countercultural concepts in our me-first generation. Even Jesus' own disciples, and because this me-first attitude, let me tell you, it's not anything new. Even his own disciples struggled to overcome this me-first attitude. You go to the book of Matthew, there in Matthew chapter 20, 
records the occasion when a mother's request exposed the disciples' selfish ambitions to be first. In Matthew 20, verses 20 and 21, it says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling down, asked a favor of Jesus. And here's her favor. Listen to it. What is it you want? He asked. And she said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your kingdom. Now, just think about that. Can you guess how the other ten disciples responded when they heard this request by two of their peers' mother? Well, verse 24 tells us that when the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. So Jesus, he pulled the disciples aside and he turned their understanding of greatness totally upside down. When he tells us in verses 25 and 28, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, when whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served and to give, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So what Jesus does here, he gives us a whole new paradigm for greatness. And he does it even with his own example of servanthood. You say, what does this mean for us? Well, here's what it means. Jesus is telling us the path to greatness. He's identifying the path to greatness for us. Look at this in your notes. And the path to greatness is this. It's to go low. Go low and don't worry about getting up. For followers of Jesus, listen to me, the race is not to the top. If you're a Christ follower here today, the race in life is not to the top. The race in life is to the bottom, where servanthood is modeled. So the path to greatness is to go low. And if the disciples hadn't figured it out yet from Jesus' teaching, then all they had to do was follow Jesus' example when he washed their feet later on in the upper room in John chapter 13. I love what Chuck Swindoll writes in his book, Improving Your Serve, about this incident in John chapter 13. He says this, there in that upper room, it was filled with proud hearts and dirty feet. The disciples were willing to fight for a throne, but not a towel. And so Jesus, he grabs a towel, And he lowers himself to paint a picture of greatness for the disciples and for us here today. John chapter 13, verses 12 and 15 says this. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And then Jesus asked this question. Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord... And teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now, let me just step away from this for a moment. Because here's the problem that I have, and I think most of us here have this morning, when it comes to this concept of showing Christ. I think most of us here, we are willing to go low to show Christ. We are willing to serve in some capacity. We're willing to go low, but here's the problem. We're not willing to stay low. 
We start worrying about getting up. We start worrying about how to get up and how to look out for ourselves, how to make sure I'm taken care of, how to begin to to pursue my happiness, my rights, my dreams, my plans, my everything. So we're willing to go low, but how many of us are willing to stay low? Listen, the path to greatness is to go low and don't worry about getting up. Paul tells us to emulate the example of Jesus Christ in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 and 11, when he writes these words, let this mind be in you. In other words, let this attitude be in you. The attitude and the mind of Jesus Christ. And now he defines what that is which was also in Jesus Christ, who being in the form of God, did not consider a robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. In other words, Jesus is doing what? He's descending from heaven to earth. He's literally going low. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He's going lower still and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now, don't miss the next verses. It says, therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Do you realize what this means? Do you realize the implications of this? It means all we have to do is go low. We don't have to worry about getting up because God will raise us up in His time and in His way if we will trust Him to do so. The problem is, we'll go low for a while, but we don't trust God to raise us up. We want control of that. We want to be in control of what happens when I go up. Jesus said the same thing about going low and don't worry about getting up. In Matthew 23, 11 through 12, He says, The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves... Oh, they will be humbled, Jesus says. But those who humble themselves, they will be exalted. Dave Thomas. How many of you know the name Dave Thomas? Oh, yeah, several of you you do. He's the founder of Wendy's. How many like Wendy's? Chris and I, we, we eat lunch pretty regularly during the week, and his favorite place to eat lunch is, guess where? Yeah, it used to be Taco Bell, but it's Wendy's now, because we have a brand new Wendy's down by the seminary. And so I'm like, Chris, we just went there. Do we have to go back? Because I'm like, I'm a, dude, I'm a person of variety. You know, if we ate there once already this week, I don't want to go back there this week. Unless it's Mexican, barbecue, or, well, you get the idea. Dave Thomas, anyway, the founder of Wendy's, he once appeared on the cover of their annual report dressed in a knee-length work apron, holding a mop and a plastic bucket. Here's how he described that picture on their annual Report. He said, I got my MBA long before my GED. At Wendy's, MBA does not mean Master of Business Administration. It means mop bucket attitude. I would call it what we're talking about today, mop bucket theology. It's mop bucket theology. That's what it means to show Christ. 
grab your mop and your bucket and go low. And don't worry about getting back up. Trust God to raise you up in his time, in his way. The second lesson in showing Christ is then, don't delay. Don't delay in doing it. Don't delay, show Christ today. You say, why? Because Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, but the hand of all things, but the, I'm sorry, but the end of all things is at hand. Here's the context in the background in which Peter is saying this to us in writing. He's writing to believers who have been scattered all over Asia Minor because of persecution. And so some of these believers, let me tell you, they are bummed out in their faith. While others, they are looking to bail out on their faith. But Peter's now writing to them and he's urging them to persevere in the midst of their problems and to keep serving one another in spite of their suffering. Now that is the lesson we all need to take heed of. This is a lesson we all need to be reminded of here this morning because it tells us that conditions, circumstances, don't have to be perfect in my life or around me before we can serve. In fact, get this, when conditions aren't perfect, conditions around you, conditions in your own personal life are not perfect, that's when we will have greater opportunities to serve and show Christ. But serving under such conditions requires what Peter tells us next in verse 7. He says, but the end of all things is at hand, or it's at near, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded so that you can pray. Prayer. Oh man, it acknowledges our weakness, doesn't it? And it acknowledges that we are dependent on God Almighty in His strength. Not to pray is, in, to, in effect, to assert our own self-sufficiency. It's, it's, it's to assert that, hey, I can do this on my own. I can handle it on my own. Serving, though, if you think about it, it, it's such a struggle for most of us, especially during hard times. But serving without God's help will lead to burnout in ministry and then bail out in our faith. You serve long enough in the church or in the community. And if you're trying to serve in your own strength and your own power, I, I, I guarantee you will burn out sooner or later. And then you will be confronted with a crisis, am I going to bail out in my faith because of my burnout? So if we're going to show Christ today, then we must do it in the power of prayer, in the power of God who equips us and who gives us what we need to serve and to love one another. Peter tells us two ways now to show Christ in the rest of the passage here, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. If you have your Bibles, you may even want to turn there and look at it with me. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. Listen, or look what it says. He says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Verse 11, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. 
in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So how do we serve? Let me break it down to simple points here in which Peter tells us, here's how to serve. Here's how to show Christ to one another. Two simple ways. Number one is love one another fervently without grumbling. Do you remember what Paul wrote at the end of Galatians chapter 5, verse 14? He wrote that the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. And what is this one command? Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Jesus also said that too in Matthew chapter 22, I believe. Peter didn't doubt that his readers were loving one another, but he knew that during hard times, it's easy to start taking out our our frustrations on those who are closest to us, such as people in our family, such as people in our spiritual family, our church family. Oh, as people even who are in our grow group family. It's easy to take out our frustrations on them, especially during hard times. So Peter says to us now, above all, In other words, this is of prime importance. Keep loving one another fervently since love covers a multitude of sins. Listen, you want to know what the true test of showing Christ is? This is it right here. The true test of showing Christ is whether we love one another when we hurt one another. Because let's be honest, it's fairly easy to love people who don't sin against you who don't hurt you, who don't wrong you. But fervent love extends even those who have wronged you, who have hurt you. Fervent love is ready to cover a multitude of sins. That doesn't mean condoning sin. It doesn't mean sweeping sin under the rug. But it does mean fervent love is ready to overlook minor irritations. It's ready to overlook those personality conflicts in your family, in your grow group, whatever the case may be. It's ready to forgive by covering that person with a blanket of love. And so you can just imagine Peter throwing a blanket of love over that person, over a whole family. I'm just going to cover you with love instead of holding a grudge against that person. So fervent love covers a multitude of sins, but get this, it also shows hospitality without grumbling. Without, but grumbling about what? Well, maybe about the time it takes or the finances it takes to fix a meal for someone in need. Perhaps it's grumbling about the effort it takes to straighten the house out for your grow group if you're a host. It could be a number of different things. But don't you think it also means grumbling about, well, gee, people. This is why showing Christ means loving people that we may not like or we may not get along with. You see, we can be outwardly hospitable can't even say that word. Somebody say it for me. Thank you. While under our breath, we're simply saying or we're thinking in our minds, oh, I wish they would leave. Wish they weren't part of my grow group. I wish they weren't part of my family. I wish they weren't part of this church. I wish they weren't part of my work team. Whatever it may be. How many have flown in an airplane before? You've done some flying. How many are scared to fly? Anybody scared of flying? Oh, we have a few. That's all right. 
Whenever you fly in an airplane, you defy gravity, which is why it can be scary, because we weren't made to defy gravity, were we? Right? It requires the effort of thrust. It requires the lift of the wings. But when that all comes together, gravity is defied, and we are flying. And we look down, we're like, whoa, man, look at the world. It's so small. Showing Christ is like flying. It takes effort. But when we love one another, listen, we overcome the law of selfishness. It isn't natural and it isn't easy. That's why Peter says to love one another without grumbling, without complaining. And listen to me. No church can survive very long unless the people show Christ with this kind of love. The same is true in your grow group. The same is true in your family. The same is true where you even work. It's true in your neighborhood. If you're in association with people, it is true in that relationship. No relationship or group of people can survive without this kind of love that Peter's talking about. So the first way to show Christ is to love one another fervently without complaining, without grumbling. The second way we show Christ, then, is to serve one another faithfully with our gifts. Peter writes in verse 10, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Now, in this one verse, we learn at least two things immediately here. Just kind of fly off the pages of Scripture. One, we learn that God has given every believer at least one spiritual gift. Now, we're not going to dive into all the spiritual gifts and do a whole lesson on spiritual gifts. We don't have enough time for that. But let me just say, as we learn here, God has given every Christ follower, everyone who knows Christ, at least one spiritual gift. The second thing we learn here is you are to use your gift to build up your own personal kingdom. Oh, that's not what it says, is it? That's not the purpose of our gifts, is it? We are to use our gifts to serve others and to edify the body of believers and to build the kingdom of God. That is the reason God gifts us. It's the reason we have what we have. This means you are not saved to sit. You were saved to serve. Peter says each of us has received a gift, and we should be a good steward of using it properly, faithfully to serve others. This means, and I love this. As a pastor, you've got to love this. This means our church, do you realize this, has all the gifts we need right here. We have all the gifts we need to do all the work of the ministry before us and to accomplish the mission that Jesus has given us. True, no one could do everything. But everyone can do something with the gift they've been given. In verse 11, we discover then that spiritual gifts generally fall into two broad categories. The first category, did you notice it in verse 11, is speaking gifts. The second category is serving gifts. And let me tell you, both are important. Both are needed, which means everybody is important. Everyone is needed in the body of believers. 
Those of us with speaking gifts like preaching, teaching, exhorting, encouraging, we are to use our gifts, Peter tells us, to magnify God's Word, not our own words. We are to use it to magnify His truth, not our opinions. Those of us with serving gifts like showing mercy, leading, managing, helping others, and serving, we are to use those gifts to magnify not our skills, not our strength, but God's strength, His ability, His power. So let me stop and ask, what are your gifts? Do you know your spiritual gift? And you say, well, I don't know. Let me tell you, everyone has at least one. The more important question here this morning is this. What ministry are you serving in? You are to use your gift to serve others. And those of you who are actively involved in ministry know that serving, let me tell you, it can be physically and emotionally draining. We learned in the New Life class, ministry is hard work, amen? It's hard work. And if you try to do it in your own strength, as we already said, you will burn out sooner or later. But remember, God not only gives us the gift to serve with, He also gives us the strength in which to serve with it. Just like in Peter's day. Listen to me. The conditions are not always perfect for serving. If you're here this morning and you're waiting for perfect conditions before you get in the game and show Christ, you're going to be waiting until Christ returns. We're living in the last days. Conditions are not getting better, they're getting worse. And Peter's reminding us that's all the more when we need to show Christ. So don't wait for perfect conditions. They rarely are perfect. We're living in tough times economically. We know that. And perhaps some of you are here, you're even living in tough times personally yourself. But Peter says to you and to me, don't let hard times, don't let your circumstances, your conditions, whatever they may be, be an excuse for not serving one another faithfully with your gifts. So what happens when we all come together and we show Christ? What happens when we don't delay and we show Christ today? Look at this real quickly. The results of showing Christ. It's a beautiful thing. The church is edified. In other words, the church is built up. It's, and God is glorified. We see this in two passages. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, he says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. In other words, for the building up. And then Peter concludes in verse 11 that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let me tell you, it is a beautiful thing when followers of Jesus are committed to showing Christ by loving and serving one another. But number three, we must beware of the barriers. There are barriers out there that we must beware of to showing Christ. One day, Jesus was walking down to the city of Jericho when a group of blind men started yelling at him. And the Bible tells us these blind men were basically yelling out to Jesus as he's walking down to the city of Jericho, 
Have mercy on us, O Lord. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Lord, please have mercy on us. And in Matthew chapter 20, verse 32, it tells us how Jesus responded to this group of men who are yelling at him, Have mercy, O Lord. Have mercy on us. It says Jesus stopped and he called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Now, that may seem like a simple little verse. I'm sure some of us have read that passage, that verse, and we skip right over it. It's easy to do. But that verse is profound. What was Jesus' first response to these blind men in need? He stopped. He stopped. Unlike 42 climbers on Mount Everest who would not stop to give a helping hand to David Sharp. Jesus stopped. A lot of people are willing to follow the steps of Jesus, but how many of us are willing to follow the stops of Jesus when you study the Gospels in his life? Do you realize almost every miracle Jesus performed, almost every ministry he is engaged in throughout his life is because he made himself available? He stopped. I like John Wesley's motto. He says this, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, by all the ways you can, in all the places you can, and all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. Now that is serving like Jesus served. But we must be available. We must be willing to say, okay, Lord, I'm willing to show Christ whenever, wherever, and to whoever. A lot of us here, we have in our hearts, we say in our minds, man, I want to show Christ. I want to be used by God in ministry. I want to show Christ. Here's the problem. We're unavailable to do so. And we have chosen to make ourselves unavailable. It's as if we hung a do not disturb sign over our lives. And so what is in our heart or our desires really doesn't matter because we have made ourselves unavailable. So what kind of barriers are there that makes us unavailable to be used by God to show Christ by loving and serving Him? Well, there's three. The big three, I would say. There's many barriers out there, but let me give you the big three barriers that we need to be aware of. The first barrier is a proud heart. A proud heart. How many think they don't have this? I'm glad nobody's raising their hand. You know, pride, it causes us to think less of others and a little too much of ourselves. In fact, pride convinces us that we deserve special treatment, special honor, special recognition. And if we don't get it, oh, we're offended, we're upset, we're disturbed. But Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, he says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. And then he goes on to talk about serving the body of Christ and how each of us are different. We all play different roles. We have different responsibilities. Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 5, 5, he says, Likewise, you younger people, 
submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so the first barrier we need to be aware of in our heart is simply pride. The second barrier is a selfish heart. A selfish heart. Have you noticed that our default setting is selfishness and not other-centeredness? Or is that just me? Because that's my default setting. My default setting is always me. Me first. It's it's just plain selfishness. And that's why the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, it says, Do nothing from selfish ambitions or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So we have the first barrier is a proud heart. The second barrier is a selfish heart. And the third barrier is simply an apathetic heart. What is an apathetic heart? How many of you care? That's what I thought. An apathetic heart is a heart that simply doesn't care. It's a heart that is indifferent. And the Apostle John, let me tell you, he attacks this barrier head on in 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, when he says, By this we know love, that he, speaking of Jesus, laid down his life for us. And get this, here's what he says. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Now, he's not finished, because now he, he attacks it big time. He says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? In other words, it's a contradiction. It's a paradox. The claim to be a follower of Christ and not use what God has given you to show Christ. He says, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Here's the point. You can do one of two things with your life here. You can either invest your life or you can waste your life. And let me tell you, that is the only two options we have. And right now, we are either investing our life or we are wasting our lives. But fully devoted followers of Jesus invest it by showing Christ. They follow the example of Jesus by serving and loving people in the church and in the community. So, it's time for the DTR talk. You guys remember what the DTR talk is? Define the relationship. It's that talk where you need to find out if what we have is real or not. Where are we at in this relationship? How many have ever had a DTR talk with your current spouse? Anybody? Zach and Sarah are like, yeah, we did a little bit, yeah. Or you just kind of, you just, you never had it, you just, you just, one day you found, you're like, wow, we're married. (laughs) That happens a lot too. Okay, the DTR talk, define the relationship. Listen, you got to define the relationship with Jesus as well. Are you a fan here this morning? Are you a fully devoted follower here this morning? And here's the thing. Here's the question. Am I showing Christ by loving and serving people in the church and community? Am I showing Christ? Now, a follow-up question to that is, what are you waiting for? Don't delay. Show Christ today. I'm reminded of an old story about an old farmer 
who after lightning struck his old shed, the farmer was relieved because now he didn't have to tear it down. Pretty good deal. The rain cleaned off his car, and that saved him from having to wash it. Not too bad. And when asked what he was going to do now, he replied, I'm waiting for an earthquake to shake the potatoes out of the ground. Listen, folks, if we're going to show Christ, we can't wait for something to happen. We have to do something. We have to take action. Showing Christ is action-oriented. You just can't sit at home on your couch with the remote in your hand watching TV and think, oh, I'll get to it someday. No, you won't. You have to take action in this. And so I want to highlight some opportunities for you this morning to take action, immediate action, in showing Christ. You see it at the bottom of your notes. In fact, there's three inserts in your bulletin. I'd ask you to pull them out and look at them with me. There's this insert that says, Unashamed. There's the trunk or treat insert, and then there's the show Christ ministry form insert. And so here's the first way that you can show Christ. Are you ready? It's really complex. No, it's simple. Just serve Christ at the World Outreach Celebration that's coming up. There are numerous opportunities for all of us to get in the game and show Christ and serve the body of Christ at the World Outreach Celebration. We need people to help out in the dessert fellowships. And you say, what's that? Well, on Wednesday night and Friday night, and on Thursday night, are we having dessert fellowships Thursday night too? Just pizza. So on those two nights, uh, we'll have a, a, a time where after our time together in the auditorium, our breakout sessions, we will all go down to the, the multi-purpose room and just kind of have a, a time of, of desserts, coffee, tea, lemonade, stuff like that. And we need people to help bring some desserts. You can either make it or you can buy it. And there's no shame in buying a dessert, let me tell you. No shame. All right? That's one way you can serve at the World Outreach Celebration. Another way is uh, Audra Glutfelty is, is helping out with our, our kids' ministry, kids' World Outreach Celebration. Uh, and so, man, if you'd like to serve and help her out one of those nights, including Sunday night as well, uh, you can and help her. Uh, we need nursery helpers each of these nights. During the World Outreach Celebration, again, that's Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, and Sunday, all day Sunday, and Sunday night. And so uh, there are sign-ups on the back table in which you can sign up to show Christ and specifically serve the body of Christ. I'd encourage you to do that. Of course, the first great way to serve is just to attend. Come and be a part of it. Your presence alone is showing Christ, let me tell you, to the missionary couples that will be here. It's an encouragement to them. Encouraging one another is a way to show Christ. So attend by showing Christ to the missionary couples and then serve by showing Christ to the body of believers. All right? So, and you see this insert here. It gives you all the dates and times. So take this home. Mark your calendars. Let me encourage you to come and be a part of our World Outreach Celebration. The second way to show Christ is to serve at our Trunk or Treat Community Outreach coming up on October 31st, Halloween night. Most of you have been a part of that in the past. I know we have some new people. Listen, we are inviting everybody to come and serve at the World, Out- at the World Outreach, at the Trunk or Treat Outreach, down at Crestview Elementary School. You say, what is it? Man, just come pat- help us pass out candy. It's really a service to our community, and, uh, and specifically if you're willing, and, and we hope you will, 
Uh, our goal is to have 30 cars decorated. Decorate your trunk, uh, your motorcycle, your pickup truck, whatever the case may be. Set up a tent, decorate that. It can be, you be creative. And we'll provide the candy, and let me tell you, our whole community comes to this. We normally have anywhere from 400 to 700 people come through. Uh, that's adults and kids, and come through, and they're all dressed up, and we, have, uh, we need people to do the decoration of the trunks, and uh, we need people to help serve. Uh, because we grill hot dogs, and we uh, give out free hot dogs, free hot chocolate and cider, and things like that. People will come and set up, tear down, clean up. And so there's sign-ups specifically on the back to de decorate your automobile and down there from 6 to 8 p.m. on Halloween night. So a great opportunity to serve our community. World Outreach serving our church. This is serving our community. And then also another way is to actually get involved on a ministry team. Uh, and that could be either weekly, it could be bi-weekly, it could be monthly, it may even be quarterly, whatever the case may be. And this insert here uh, shows you all the various ministry opportunities that we have in our church, and there's more. We didn't list all of them. And so if you know of one that's not listed, just write it there at the bottom. Maybe you're currently serving on a ministry team, and if you are, raise your hand if you're currently serving on a ministry team, either weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly. Give these people a hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Because the work of the ministry cannot be done by just myself and Pastor Chris. No way. It takes a whole team of people serving in weekly ministries, either bi-weekly or monthly, quarterly, whatever the case may be. And so if you're interested, uh, just fill this out. Put your name, your phone number, email, fold it up and drop it in the offering plate or hand it to myself as you leave. These are great ways to begin to show Christ in the church and in the community. Whether our church is community or where you live, work or play, whatever the case may be.